everybody. Welcome to the journey. <laughs> so glad you joined us this weekend. And to all of you at our online location, so glad you are along for the ride. If you're here for the first time, whether in person or online, a big welcome to you. Everybody, we help me show some love to online and all of our guests. Yeah. Glad you're here, and uh, I believe the message is going to be encouraging to you today. But right before we jump into it, we are counting down the days until Christmas at the Journey, as you heard, and 17 identical gatherings to choose from across our locations over six days. It's going to be a really powerful experience, and I want to just take a moment and encourage you uh, to dive in and be a part of Christmas at the Journey. This is just such an incredible way to end our year it's going to be very special, and the way that you can be a part of it, I want to give you four things. First, as you heard, invite your friends and family and neighbors and coworkers and bosses and baristas and everybody you know, and uh, just invite them to be a part of it. Don't come alone. I have a lot of anticipation about what God's going to do during um, our Christmas gatherings, and I feel like I have a message that's going to be so helpful for people wherever you are in your faith. It's going to help you if you are a follower of Jesus, but if you've got some doubts in your life or you know somebody who maybe questions God and what this is all about, really want to encourage you, don't come alone, bring people with you. And then let's all just make a decision this week that we're going to pray for God to work, pray for the people that we bring to experience God in a real way and, and that lives will be changed. Third, I want to invite you to serve during Christmas. If you're already on the J team, you know Christmas is all in time. So this is the Super Bowl of church, everybody. We Roll up our sleeves and serve so many people who will come to our locations. If you serve somewhere else on the J team, if you're not usually involved in, in uh, what we do to open the front door in our gatherings, I encourage you to find a place. If you serve in groups or somewhere uh, else or behind the scenes, jump in and be a part this week. But if you're not yet serving on the J team, we do have an opportunity for you to go to our serve app and uh, choose the try it out option. We'll get you ready to serve for Christmas. It'll be a lot of fun. Christmas will mean more to you. When you serve, if you're new to our church, it's a big part of our culture here in our heart. We believe Jesus uh, when he said that the greatest are those who serve. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And then finally, uh, give. And if, you're, if you are checking this out for the first time, there is no expectation for you to give anything financially this week. So you know we're not going to pass anything around the room or anything like that. But for any of you who are a part of this community of faith, whether you're new to this or been a part of it for some time, this is a really special season in the life of our church and an important weekend. It's our Christmas offering. It's a chance for us to do something outside of our current walls to make a difference in the lives of people who are near us and need us, to meet physical needs and spiritual needs. We're going to be helping people who are struggling with, with poverty throughout our region and our world, reaching more people online, and then we're making plans to plant a third physical location of our church in Journey City, which I'm very excited about, and our Christmas offering is going to help make that a reality. So I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the gathering today. I'll let you know how you can be a part of that. I believe that some really special things are going to happen through this. I've sensed that these past few weeks. And just so you know, I mentioned this last weekend if you were here, this is not to pay our bills. I'm grateful because of your generosity all year long. What we do as a church is continuing strong. This is about going above and beyond as we close out the year to do stuff outside our current walls. So again, give you a chance to be a part of that at the end of the gathering today. So as we jump into week two of All I Want for Christmas, it really is true that this season for a lot of us contains equal parts excitement and dread, right? I mean, this is just kind of one of those times of year um, that has 
just so much of both in it. Maybe you're a high school or college student and you're preparing for final exams. Maybe you've already started or you start Monday and you've never prayed so much in your life. You know, I've never been so close to God. God, I've got to get at least a C, an introduction to philosophy. You got to do this, got to do this. Maybe you uh, are behind on your gift buying. Anybody else just a little bit behind on your gift buying? If you're, if you're married and your spouse is with you, now they know, you know. Um, or then there are some of us that we're doing great. We're overachievers. We got all the gifts bought. Now we're just behind on our budget. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? <laughs> Figure out, okay, let's refinance the house. Let's take care of Christmas. Uh, some of us are negotiating about who goes to visit whom, when at Christmas. Anybody else have family drama around that? Like who's going to be here, where, when? And we do still love each other, right? Family, yes, come visit us. You know, oh, I feel so invited. Um, some of us are going through that. And then for some of us, it's, it's deeper than that. I have some people close to me who are facing their first Christmas without someone they lost this past year. Some of us are going through some maybe intense seasons of grief or unmet expectations. I don't know, another month on the calendar filled with more potential for happiness and stress at the same time. Filled with more potential for joy and loneliness, peace and pressure. In fact, I'll be honest, I even have had a love-hate relationship over the years with preaching in the few weeks leading up to Christmas. My wife Susie and I started the journey. Hard to believe we'll be 15. Our church will be 15 years old next year. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And so if you're new to us, like all teenagers, we're a little quirky. Um, as a church, <laughs> we're just, you know what it's like being 15. That's how we are as a church. And uh, we're just having fun. We're just hitting some growth spurts, you know. And uh, so my wife and I, were, we were 15 when we started the church. So it's ironic. <laughs> it's the only thing I'm going to tell you today is not true. Everything else is going to be true. But when our church was new, we're just a couple years old, we actually did a series. It was my idea. I will take the credit. <laughs> we did a series called Christmas Schmismas. And it was all about what a letdown this season can be. It was the least joy-filled series we've ever done as a church. I was having a bad year. I'm doing much better. Thank you for your prayers. But... Just, I kind of have struggled with those weeks leading, I like Christmas itself, but those weeks leading up to it, man, it's just stressful, and you're running all over the place, and so much going on, but the truth is, it isn't just Christmas. Busy seasons like this one actually just highlight part of our ongoing human condition, and they bring to the surface the anxiety and uncertainty that is sometimes constantly there, just sort of bubbling below the surface. Times like this, seasons like this one can bring that stuff to the surface, and it's part of being human. No matter where we are spiritually, our hearts, that inner part of us, and by the way, you have one. I'm not just talking about the physical organ beating in your chest, but all of us have this part of us that we can't explain in purely materialistic terms. I don't care what you believe about God or church or any of that. You believe this. You know there's something about you that's unique. You have this inner world that that is affected by your outer world, and you it's that part of you that lies awake worrying about the future, concerned about what's going on around you, and gets anxious and uncertain. It makes us different from the rest of creation. Your Labrador retriever's not at home right now worrying about retirement. I promise you. It's, it's, they're just like, squirrel. You know, that's all that's going on for them. But humans are different, and th these seasons like this can really mess with us. In fact, our hearts, that inner world, can get messed up sometimes by the anxiety and the uncertainty that our circumstances bring into our lives. And I think all of us, if we were honest, we would say, hey, how do I fill in that sentence? All I want for Christmas is, 
we would say, all I want for Christmas is for everything in my life that isn't working right now to work right now. Anybody else? Just If things would just... In fact, I got some people that need to get their act together right now. They got 24 hours. Seriously, I don't know if I can go much longer. Just need things to get fixed right now. And into this unsettledness, Jesus speaks encouragement. And during Christmas at the Journey, during the gatherings coming up, we're going to talk about the Christmas story. Again, I think I've I've got something for you that's going to help you. If you struggle with doubt... I really feel like God's given me something for you, but today I want to look at another season in Jesus' life, 33 years after he's born in a manger, what we celebrate this time of year. He's about to go to the cross, and he's got a few of his friends around him who are anxious and uncertain, and they're upset about their circumstances, and they don't know what's going to happen next, and Jesus leans in, and he says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, and trust also in me. Do you have any reasons in your life right now for your heart to be troubled? Anybody have anything going on in your life that could trouble your heart? Like it could just mess with your inner world? Maybe it's a school thing or a money thing or a health thing or a relationship thing. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. So you good? Everybody good? Lord, thanks for this day. Appreciate you bringing us together. Everybody have a good week. You're good? You didn't know. Oh, I wasn't supposed to let my heart. Now I get it. (laughs) I'm just not supposed to let my heart be troubled. So for all of us, this can sound, especially when the pressure's on, unrealistic. But I want you to notice that Jesus is not saying we won't face troubles in our outer world. In fact, he's trying to get us to stop focusing on our outer world. And what he's telling us is that we do have a choice about whether or not we allow those troubles in our circumstances and and in our outer world to gain access to the center of us, to our hearts, and begin to control how we think and feel and what we assume is true about our future. And according to Jesus, we can have an untroubled heart even in the middle of a lot of troubles. You say, how is that possible? By trusting in God and trusting also In Jesus. Now, here's what Jesus knew. He knew that his disciples, his friends who were around him when he said this, and he knew this was true for many of us as well, he knew they believed in God. And for most of us, we would say, I'm at least willing to acknowledge that there is a higher power out there somewhere. Maybe you're not sure you buy that yet, but most of us would go, hey, that's why I'm here. I'm willing to entertain the possibility there's a God. We believe in the idea of God, but for some of us, we don't know God personally yet. And so knowing God or believing in God as an idea and as maybe some religious information or some quotes that make us feel good about our lives, that alone is not enough for an untroubled heart. It's just not enough. And maybe that's how some of us kind of grew up. We got exposed to religious information. How many of us were dragged to church when we were a kid? Anybody else dragged to church? I was not invited to church. I was grabbed by the ear and dragged to church. Like something is wrong with you, only God can fix. Get in the car. We're going to church. And as soon as I was old enough to resist, I did. (laughs) And that's some of us, that's our story. Maybe we went to Christian school. Maybe we've been around religious people. We're like, that's not what I'm, I know that I need God, but that's not what I'm looking for. And all we've ever had is information about God. But Jesus says it's not enough to trust just in God. He knew his disciples trusted in God, but he said, you got to trust also in me. Why? Because Jesus is God with human handles. 
That's what Christmas is all about, that we could not get to God. He was out there somewhere. We were down here. We were separated from him by our sin and by the distance between us. He's God. How do you understand God? When you're human, you don't. And so God said, I'm going to take the initiative. He put on humanity. He came, and he came to be a part of our planet and our human story. And now we can get to know God by getting to know Jesus. And once you start to know Jesus through relationship, not just information, but through relationship, as you start to get to know Jesus, you start to trust him. Trust is a product of relationship. And so maybe one of the things that God has for you during this season is that you would learn to trust Jesus, not just to believe in God as a concept or an idea, but to trust in Jesus. How? By spending time with Jesus. Around here, we call it practicing a slot and spot time on our calendar and a place we go, a slot and a spot, to read the Bible, to pray, to center our hearts on Jesus. When the troubles of this world are pressing in on us, you've got to have a space in your life where you can go get close to Jesus, and you can start wherever you are. Maybe you say, well, I'm not good enough to pray. You don't get good to pray. You pray to get good. You start right where you are. See, when we truly trust Jesus, what happens is our troubles have a harder and harder time getting past our trust and into our hearts. And we begin to live with an untroubled heart. In fact, later in the same conversation, Jesus says this, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us are going, Jesus, I wish you would be more positive. He says, all right, I am positive that here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But there's good news. The good news is not the absence of trials and sorrows. We think what would fix our troubles, troubled hearts is if all of our circumstances were resolved. Jesus says, no, that's not the good news. You're going to keep having many trials and sorrows on earth. But good news, you can take heart. You can reclaim your heart back from its troubled condition. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Now, just honestly, how many of us are kind of into... Uh, self-help. Anybody into self-help? It's okay. Uh, I'm into self-help. You say, well, I don't know. I'm not into self-help. And I would just ask, well, what are, what's the alternative? Self-destruction? So I'm into self-help. Uh, if I have to choose, you know, I just read a self-destruction book. It was awesome. No, I'm like, I'm <laughs> just throwing that out there. Like, I believe that as human beings, we are responsible to better our lives, to learn, to grow. I believe in all of that. But can I tell you, self-help only goes so far. And sometimes the message of self-help becomes, take heart because you have overcome the world. But you know what I'm realizing? I have not overcome this world yet. And I'm pretty sure neither have you. So self-help says, and you've probably heard this message, hey, take heart, it's okay, you're worth it, you're amazing, you're awesome, and you have overcome the world. Can I just tell you, the longer I live with Mark Johnston, the, long, the more I realize I am not that awesome. That's <laughs> not that awesome. Now, I have awesome moments, but then I have less than awesome months. So self-help says, be of good cheer. You have overcome the world. You just can't see it yet. Jesus' help says, no, don't, don't take heart because you have overcome the world. Take heart because I have overcome the world, and you're with me. And because I've overcome the world, that's why you have overcome the world. 
And you can live with an untroubled heart. Self-help will only take you so far. I know people who are way into self-help, but their hearts are still troubled. Why? Because there's not enough in yourself to untrouble your heart. But there is enough in Jesus to untrouble your heart. He has more than enough. And the trust Jesus invites us into is more than just a feeling. It's a decision. It requires something of us. It requires us to refocus our faith. That's what we're going to do during 21 days of prayer and fasting. So if you're new to our church, every January, it's a powerful season in the life of our church. January 3rd, this coming year, we'll start 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'll spend Christmas feasting, and then we'll get to January 3rd, and we'll do some fasting. How many know that will be perfect timing? And what we'll do is we'll say no to some things we usually say yes to so we can say yes to some things that God has for us. And it's going to be powerful. We'll connect every day. We'll teach you how to connect with God in prayer every morning at all of our locations. We'll be connecting and we'll be praying and we're going to refocus our faith. What would it look like for you if you could start refocusing your faith from the troubles you're facing to the Jesus you're trusting? Start living in a different way with an untroubled heart. Trust in Jesus that grows through relationship with him is the cure for an untroubled heart. But the question is, well, what are we trusting Jesus for? And some of us would say, okay, I get, this is really encouraging. I'm going to trust Jesus that everything in my life is going to be fixed right now. I'm trusting Jesus. In fact, Jesus, you have until 3 o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> I trust you. I trust you for, the, for that window of time. And then I, I just need you to have everything fixed because I trust you, Jesus. But Jesus does something interesting here. He says, trust me. Trust in God, trust also in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And then he doesn't say, because I'm going to fix everything right now. Instead, he makes this statement. There is more than enough room in my father's home. And what does that mean? Well, Jesus says, you think the cure for your troubled heart is everything being fixed in your current circumstances. But I'm telling you that the cure for your troubled heart comes from the deep confidence that there's nothing you can face in this world that will not be healed and restored and given purpose in the world to come. And he's talking about heaven. And some of us may have a hard time with this. We think, oh, yeah, but isn't this life all there is? I mean, is heaven, heaven's kind of a pipe dream. Is it even real? Jesus insisted it was real. He's either a liar or a crazy person or he's telling the truth. And he says, trusting me means trusting me ultimately for this, that no matter what you face now, where you're headed, everything broken will be restored. There's more than enough room in my father's home. And when we begin to live this way, when we begin to trust Jesus with our forever, when we finally let go of the results finally let go of the outcome of our lives, finally truly release our future into the hands of a good God and a powerful Savior, what happens is it changes the way we live now. We begin to live with this deep confidence and our hearts become untroubled. Our circumstances don't necessarily all become untroubled. Jesus said in this world, you'll have many trials and sorrows. But our hearts become untroubled, and our fear that there will never be enough, and things will always be the way they are now, gets replaced 
with this deep confidence, we become unfazed by the chaos of our circumstances. People around us start to wonder, how can you be so stable and so steady and so settled? We become unconvinced that our problems will actually have the last word the way they're threatening to have the last word. We become unmoved by the mess around us. Why? Because we realize our now is not as scary because our always is settled. Like whatever we're facing right now just doesn't have the power it used to have. Why? Because we know how the fight ends, so we're not too worried about the third round. There's a, there's a big difference between watching the fight live and watching it recorded and somebody already told you how it ended. In fact, honestly, for a deeply committed follower of Jesus, the fight gets a little boring sometimes because we're like, do what you will, I know how this ends. I'm good. I'm going to be standing in the ring with Jesus. Good. Hand raised in victory. What if you told whatever was bothering you most right now that you were starting to find it a little boring? Because you already know how this ends. Just a thought. Jesus continues. He says this. If this were not so... And I think he wants to convict a lot of us, myself included. He's saying, if this weren't true, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Do, you? do you trust me, listen to my words, but you can't let go of your forever? And let me be in charge of the outcome of your life? When everything's ready, I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You ever been waiting for someone who's late and it just drives you crazy? Anybody just... Drives you crazy. Anybody married to that person? Just by a show of hands. <laughs> Anybody in the room here in New York? You were late today because of that person. You're just like, Jesus, help them. They just need so much help. <laughs> That's how some of us feel right now toward God. We're waiting, to God, waiting for God to fix things, and it just feels like he's late. Come on, anybody just honest been lately going, God, why is it taking you so long? What are you, God? Is it like you're in charge? What is this? Some of us, our hearts have become troubled. We're anxious. You know what all anxiety is? All anxiety is a product of a constricted view of time. All anxiety is being boxed into the pressure of now and losing perspective. And the freedom from anxiety comes not when you fix now. It's when you fix your heart on what will outlast now. The, yeah. And so Jesus says confidence doesn't come from things being perfect now. It comes from realizing when everything's ready, I'm going to come get you. You're going to always be with me. We win. If you're new to following Jesus, here's where deep peace comes from. It comes from knowing that whatever's happening now in your life does not have the last word. And our now is not as scary because our always is settled. Our always is settled. And I know for some of you right now, you are, you're not thinking about heaven. It's the furthest thing from your mind. You know, maybe you're in, in early stages of life and you're young and you, it's, it's not what you're thinking about, but you better have something to tie your life to beyond here and now. Otherwise, your heart will get troubled. You start, you start tethering your heart to heaven more and more, and the presence of Jesus in your life. 
and you can live with an untroubled heart. And the same guy, John, who wrote these words of Jesus down, that Jesus spoke to his friends right before he went to the cross, years later, John wrote the last book of the Bible, the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation. It's the one you're scared of. You know, Revelation has all like the beasts and the horses and the... We're actually going to do a series on it next year, and uh, we're going to try to make some, get some clarity from what that book is all about. But in the, almost the second to last chapter, last book of the Bible, John got this picture of heaven, and here's how he describes it. Listen to this. I heard a loud shout from the throne, so from God's majesty and presence, I heard this loud shout saying, look. God's home is now among his people. So what we've been waiting for, what Jesus said years ago, John saw the picture of when it would all happen. God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And then listen to this. This is how the fight ends. You need to hear this today. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow, or crying, or pain, all these things are gone forever. See, when you tether your heart to heaven, you have the greatest hack for the human condition that's ever been known. You have the ability in any moment of pressure, anxiety, or stress to unconstrict your view of time Remind yourself of where you're headed and then come back to your problems with a fresh perspective. Hmm. I'm so sorry, my friend, but if you're an atheist, you can't do that. And if you just believe in the idea of God, you can't do that. But when you trust in Jesus, you have the ability, come on, somebody, in any given moment, To go, now may feel like hell, but heaven is where I'm headed. And one day, every tear I'm crying now will be wiped away. Every pain I'm feeling now will be healed. Every sorrow I've gone through now will be restored. My future is secure in the hands of Jesus. You have a hope that goes beyond this world. And here's the last part. I love this. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you already know the way. I gave you directions to the party in advance. You know the way to where I'm going. To which some of us go, oh, hold on. I don't know if I do know the way. How do I get there? How do I get to heaven? How do I live with that peace in the midst of all the troubles? And maybe you're looking for the way. Maybe you've gotten turned around spiritually lately. You're struggling. You're trying to make sense of your life, find a way out of your issues and hang-ups and circumstances, Jesus says, oh, you already know the way. Why? Because remember, he's talking to people who know him. And sure enough, just like many of us, who actually was one of his friends who, when he said that, said, oh, what are you talking about? We don't know the way. Jesus said, oh, I am the way. And I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Trust in God. Trust also in me. I'm going to prepare a place, and you know the way. Jesus is the way. He's the way to heaven someday, and trusting him is the path to an untroubled heart 
today because when you trust Jesus, here's what you find, that your now is not as scary because you're always as settled. And that's what this whole church thing is about. So just so you know, church is not the way to heaven. But here's what happens when we gather like this. We get a taste of our always. And it makes our now not so scary. So you can leave this experience in a few minutes. And I'm telling you, you can go back to your circumstances with the confidence of an untroubled heart because you got one taste of heaven. It hasn't happened for you. It can happen right now. Just a taste. A sigh of relief. I'm with Jesus. My always is settled. It's why we connect. It's why we do life in groups. We finished up our fall semester of J groups, small groups of people doing life together this past week. And I'll lead a group. We had such an amazing time together this week. Can't wait for a new semester to begin in a few weeks. That's why we do this. Being in a group isn't the way to heaven. Being in a group puts you around other people who are trying to trust Jesus more and have a bunch of stuff going on in their outer world they don't like, but are learning to center their inner world on Jesus. And what happens when you're around people going the same direction spiritually, you get a little taste of your always, and your now is not so scary. That's why we serve. Yesterday, we had these outreach events around our region. I was here in Newark. We fed 500 families out of this parking lot. I went over to the Red Roof Inn on 896. Yeah. Went over to the Red Roof Inn on 896 and we had all these tents set up and we were, one of the most powerful things we were doing is we had about eight or 10 barbers and hairdressers giving uh, haircuts and styling hair for people experiencing homelessness and giving them dignity in this season. We, had a, we took a school bus full of people from our recovery groups to Philly to feed people who are dealing with addiction and homelessness. And when I walked around yesterday, the, the two outreach events I got to be at, when I walked around yesterday, I saw some of you radiating joy that doesn't make any sense based on what's going on in your life. But you get a taste of heaven and you've tethered your heart to something that matters beyond your here and now. It's powerful. Makes your now not so scary. In fact, some of you are walking into your life right now. You've got troubles. You've got circumstances. But you're standing strong in the power of Jesus. Your shoulders are squared. Your heart is full of joy. Why? Because you understand that you're with Jesus. And whatever you're facing now does not have the last word. You're always is safe in the hands of Jesus Christ. Your future is settled. Your future is settled. And my prayer for you is that Jesus would do miraculous things in your life right now. But even more than that, that you would discover the peace that comes from realizing that whatever you're facing doesn't have to be as scary as you've made it. Because you're always as settled. And with just a taste heaven with just a little picture, just a glimpse, you can find the confidence to live with an untroubled heart. So if you would say, I believe in Jesus, but if I'm, if I'm honest, I've allowed some things happening in my outer world to trouble my heart, my inner world. I've just, I've let them kind of sneak in. 
And today I want Jesus to restore my heart, to help me take my heart back from its troubled condition. I want to remind my heart of the heaven I'm headed for and the security I have in Jesus. If you trust in Jesus, that you need that grace to take back your heart from its troubled condition, will you just shoot your hand up all over the room, just hold up high. If you're watching online, you can do this right where you are. Just lift a hand toward heaven. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. You are a powerful king. You're a kind, patient savior. And Jesus, I pray for every person who lifted a hand toward heaven in the room, watching online, that right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, You would untie our hearts from this world. You would untie our hearts from our circumstances. And you would tether us to heaven. Jesus, one day, every tear will be wiped away. Everything that doesn't make sense now is going to make sense then always is settled. So give us the courage, Jesus, we pray. Come on, make this your prayer. Jesus, give me the courage to live now with the confidence that always is settled. In Jesus' name. Jesus lived this out, so if you're new to this, if you're trying to figure out what you believe about him, here's the message. Jesus, that he faced the scariest now anyone's ever faced, died on a cross for the forgiveness of your sins and mine. And the reason he did that is because he he had confidence in his always. So in his humanity, Jesus, just like you and me, scared to death of the pain he was about to face. But in his heart, he was untroubled. Because he knew that if he would go to the cross and if he would die for our sins, that he would rise again and that we would be rescued and brought into relationship with God. And this is how you become a follower of Jesus. It's not by joining a church or joining a religion. It's by trusting in Jesus and what he did for you. That he died for your sins, that he rose again. And knowing that through him, you can live in this life with an untroubled heart and you can be with him forever when this life is over. And if you want that today, this is your opportunity. If you need to begin a real relationship with God right where you are, whisper out a prayer of faith, something like this. You can use my words if it helps you, but pray from your heart with faith. Jesus, I give my life to you today. You gave your life for me. I believe that. My sins are forgiven. I'm made right with you. I'm going to follow you from this moment on. You are leader and Lord of my life. And if that's you, while everyone around you stays focused on God, if you would say, I want to be included in that prayer, I want to invite you right now just to lift your hand up toward heaven. Hold it up high. All over the room. Yeah. Yeah, hold it up high. Yes. If you're watching online, let us know. You're taking this step. And then everybody together, let's celebrate people finding Jesus. Jesus.
2021 has been an incredible year around here. God has been showing up and showing off as we strive to help people find Jesus and follow him fully. And it's your generosity that is accelerating that mission. Here's a taste of what God's done in the life of our church this year. So far in 2021, we've seen on average 1,578 people join us for a weekend gathering. But you and I both know that it's more than just getting people to a gathering that matters. So, so far this year, we've seen 1,392 people raise their hands to let us know that they put their faith in Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Every week, people are finding Jesus and following him fully because of your generosity. But this Christmas, we have an opportunity to do something even bigger, to give our best gift and to be generous outside our walls to the people who are near us and need us most. All year long, we've been feeding hungry people in our region. Since we completed the food distribution center at our Newark location, you know, the one that you gave to in last year's Christmas offering, we fed more than 2,500 families over 180,000 pounds of food, and we're not done yet. That's why the first $50,000 of this year's Christmas offering is going to Convoy of Hope, one of our partners that not only provide food for us here in Journey City, but all over the world. This year, we've worked hard to reach people online through targeted online marketing and curating experiences exclusively for our online audience. We've seen over 400 people join us online every single week, but we're just scratching the surface. That's why the next $50,000 that you give is going towards expanding our technology and hiring a visionary leader who will accelerate our ability to help more people find Jesus and follow him fully in the digital space. This year, our Hokeston location has been thriving and growing. In January, Hokeston was averaging just 75 people gathering with us on a weekend, but so far in November, it's been 125. That's up 67%. And that's why everything else you give in our Christmas offering this year will go towards planting and sustaining a third physical location of the journey for people to gather, connect, and serve in their community. People find Jesus and follow him fully at the speed of our generosity. How much is one more person being fed physically or spiritually worth in the eyes of Jesus? I don't know exactly. But what I do know is this, one day we'll stand before Jesus and he'll remind us of this moment and show us the impact we had together. Isn't that amazing? 